You know, and we all have our 15 minutes of fame, and I'd like to take a couple of my 15 minutes to talk about the rights and the wrongs in the world of professional wrestling. This match is for the ECW World Heavyweight Championship! It is WOW episode 213. Episode 65 for those of you keeping track in chronological order. This is Mr. Green. You're listening to the Rights and Wrongs, the Pro Wrestling Podcast. And this is another week in review of WOW superheroes. And a couple little things to cost, you know, cross the board. How are you? And thank you for tuning in. Uh, I, I guess I should probably be like other podcasters slash YouTubers or whatever the case may be and, and ask up front if you have not. Uh, please do the channel and me a favor. Like, share, subscribe. You know, all those things help. Generally speaking, I wait to the end of the show. I mean, you know, other people are like, why don't you say it up front? <laughs> not, not, not people that listen, of course, but you know, people that uh, do these type of things for a living. Say it up front. So I just wanted to make sure that I, I uh, at least mentioned it so I can do my part to try to support myself. I'm terrible about that. Um, I, You know, there's not a lot of uh, pretense to this, so I think I should just jump right off into it. Uh, there are a little bit of wrestling news and notes. If you're starting with the WWE, we'll, we'll, we'll work our way down into WOW in a moment. Unfortunately, one of their top female names is is down and hurt for the time being. This is uh, as I'm recording this, and, and she's listed as being out for nine months. Charlotte Flair, the queen. Charlotte Flair apparently has uh, injured herself in the recent uh, SmackDown uh, appearance. During a match with Asuka, she slipped off the top rope during what would have been a high-risk move, and she landed badly and favored her knee. Uh, from last reports, I, I think they said something along the lines of that it, she might be out for at least a good nine months. Nine months without Miss Flair there, you know, in the uh, in the WWE rings. Now, whereas that is, uh, you know horrible for her is probably good for other people that's in the uh, company uh as we know charlotte is is one of their their top names and uh, i will borrow a line from another podcaster uh, the solomonster solomonster sounds off and when he says that she doesn't have to wait for anything she has her charlotte in the bank so when she when she returns to wwe i will uh, i will concede that she will probably be thrust it right to the front of the line and get a title shot immediately so so um, aside from the injuries that she's had or the injury that she sustained and you know i'm sorry to, to see and hear that uh, i think she once she returns she'll be she'll be fine and back on track to being uh 
the great wrestler that she is. I know she's a little bit polarizing. I understand that. Some people dislike her, or at least they dislike that she is gifted, if you will, uh, championship opportunities and being on top of the mountain. But, you know, it is wrestling. Speaking of injuries, also, I, you know, I was going to say impact knockout, but I guess they're, they're reverting back to TNA knockouts now. So, yeah, TNA knockout uh, Savannah Evans has uh, recently had surgery on her knee to re- re- yeah, get, it, get it out of my mouth. Let me, let's try it again. Savannah Evans <laughs> recently had surgery on her knee to remove bone spurs. Now, on her Instagram, she actually showed these. She, she uh, had the bone spurs next to a, a tape measure to show you how big they were. That was sitting in her knees. So, or, or her knee, I shouldn't say knees. And she had those taken out, which is, you know, good for her. And she, they said that she should be done recovering and rehabbing by the time they return to uh, uh, the, their next pay-per-view, which should be TNA Hard to Kill, when they officially... Take the name back. Now, I wasn't uh, big on them flip-flopping with the names. This is like the fifth overall name change for this company. So, hopefully this this sticks. I mean, I know they say they had their reasons. I didn't necessarily agree, but, you know, hey, I I did have a different uh, opinion about it once they said, well, outside of the United States, it's, it's remained TNA wrestling. So, and maybe this is easier for them. I don't know. Hopefully, whatever advertising dollars they get, do not look at it like, TNA, what's that? But anyway, yeah, she uh, Evans is respected to uh, be able to return by the time that the TNA Hard to Kill pay-per-view is back next month in uh, Las Vegas. How much fun does Trinity Fatu look like she's having in Impact Wrestling right now? Now, that's not a news item, clearly. But I just finished watching her have some matches uh, yesterday, and I ended it by watching her in a mixed tag, I believe, uh, at AAA. They got a little partnership going with with another wrestling promotion. I saw the AAA signs, so I'm assuming it's AAA. Um, But she was tagging with uh, Chris Saban, and she, she looks like she is having a blast. Like, going to Impact Wrestling has renewed life in her. And she is getting the opportunity now to do something that, by and large, she was not able to do in WWE. Yes, she did win a championship in WWE, but she hasn't really been a focal point. We'll we'll put it that way. Here in Impact, she she has become a, a focal point to that that division, at least as long as she has the championship, and she's you know been pretty well on top since she got there. She's had the opportunity to to show that she can have far better matches than what she did, and as I just stated, she looks like she is just having fun. I, I was. I'm hesitant to say that she's glowing because that's an easy pun to toss into that because of her gimmick. But yeah, she, I mean, it, it's, it exudes through her. And, and either she is a very good actress or this is legitimate. She, she just looks like she is having a, a great time. 
and that going to a company like this has renewed some vigor in her and i really hope that it you know it, this pays off maybe she'll stick around i don't know i really expect trinity at some point just like i do with uh mercedes monet to return to wwe at some point in their life but as of right now you know sometimes you have to do what they did you have to step away and prove that you can do it elsewhere sometimes you just need to be out of that company to you know rediscover your passion or or discover the passion that you didn't know that you had in the first place i don't know if she's ever worked another wrestling promotion beyond wwe at this point but through her her work at impact wrestling now she probably has a lighter schedule less stress on the body she's getting the chance to have matches alongside and with girls like jordan grace diana perrazzo the match she had in um in the I don't know if it was Mexico, so I don't want to say Mexico, but in, in the match that they had combined with Triple H, she got to wrestle against Chick Tormenta. A maskless Chick Tormenta, but it Tormenta all the same. And she was part of the glow guns. <laughs> you see what they did there. They took one half of the Motor City Machine Guns with Chris Saban and, and uh, her with her glow it came out with matching outfits and and she had the lucha mask on and everything i mean it was great if you haven't had a chance to to watch some of her stuff in impact wrestling they, they upload a lot of free things on their youtube channel i'll say go there um if you're a subscriber to their their service like me they have a lot of uh, just hidden they had a a, a, a section that was kind of like WWE's Hidden Gems at one point. I don't think they called it, so I don't want to confuse anybody. When I say Hidden Gems in this particular sense, I'm just saying they got a lot of matches that you may not have seen, or you know. and she got the chance to main event. She got the chance to main event. Uh, we won't call it a pay-per-view, a streaming event, we'll say. So, I mean, I just felt like I, I wanted to deviate for a second and just say bravo to her. Bravo to Trinity for getting... You know, finding a place that gave her a little bit of passion back in, in her work. Not to say that she was just sleepwalking through WWE. I don't think that for a minute. But it just seems a little different here. It really does. It just really does. And I and I hope that she's there for a while and that I get to continue to enjoy Trinity Fatu. When Naomi comes back, when she reverts back to her, that'll be one thing, but I'm enjoying her work right now. Uh, I guess I should also mention, since uh, this has occurred, uh, I think this morning, as I'm recording this, Liv Morgan was, uh, was reportedly arrested in Sumter County, Florida, following a traffic stop. Uh, according to PW Insider, Morgan was arrested for possession of marijuana. That I don't think that was the big deal there. They they have it listed as not more than twenty grams, <clears throat> but uh, they also have the possession of drugs and possible synth- synthetic cannabinoid. I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, she was bailed, she was bonded out and released later that night. But the problem there is, of course, you know this has gotten out. 
I believe the WWE is putting her into the wellness, or she's suspended, I should say, because of the wellness program. And there has been no definitive statement as to what the, quote, possession of drugs happens to be. Now, her with marijuana, you know, hey, come on. That's, I, I at this point, and not to go political, I really don't understand why that's even listed as illegal, considering, considering, that almost every smoke shop, gas station, and everything else has a synthetic version of it in Delta 9 that gives you the same effect that's perfectly legal. So that's that's neither here nor there. We're, that's not this podcast. This podcast is about wrestling and women's wrestling at that. But I, I just I digress for a moment. So let's get into the show that we are. Uh, Tune in week in, week out to see what they did right and what they did wrong, what we agree with and what we don't. Wow. Women of wrestling. And man, they have had they had an up and down show this particular instance. There were portions of this that I genuinely enjoyed. I I, I did, but there are also portions of this where I'm like, why? Why did you do this? So, um, let's get to it. So they open up the show, and we have the first match. Now, of course, the entirety of this show is kind of leaning towards their championship challenge. That is the main event. And the championship challenge was their multi-person match, as I said, is is likely to be. Which, uh, at the time, I didn't have any access to the rules and whatnot, and we'll go into that a little bit later on. But this is all leading towards that. And this first match plays into that. So I was, I was good with that. I was like, all right, well, they're, they're, they're telling a story, and they're driving a narrative through this hour. Great. The story there being Jesse Jones is competing for the opportunity to be the wild card in this match. Now, I'm going to stop right there. There's two things that I had a problem with as it related to that. One, why was a wild card position necessary in the first place? No one else had to qualify. And even if we were going to go after the uh, the idea that a wild card spot needed to be there, why did Jesse Jones have to be in the spot? By their own account, Jesse Jones had been undefeated since she got in Wild. Now, yes, has Wild had hiatuses? Sure. So we can't say this just a straight 10 years or something like that. But the point being is that since she's gotten that company, she hasn't been pinned and she hasn't tapped out. That's the point. It sounds far more impressive. I mean, you know, it's better now because they do a show year-round, so it looks better. Back then, it it was probably less of a thing because the undefeated streak probably constituted like, I don't know, six matches in a year at the time. But we're not going off of that. We're going off of the idea that she has said and while essentially co-signed on the fact that she was undefeated. If... Being undefeated for over two or three years, and, and that's me 
absolutely discounting her from day one. It would be more impressive if I included that, but let's just go off of the premise of, matter of fact, let's just go off the premise of since they returned to just syndicated TV. She was undefeated for a year. One year solid. Why would she have to qualify? What's one more match going to do? What was it supposed to do? And they, and we already know that she's had a, lo- a far longer undefeated streak than that. So what was the point of this? Other than to create tension in what we're about to talk about in a couple of moments. So <clears throat> the match starts with commentary about the stipulation that she has to win in order to compete at the end of the show. I wrote down why is this happening? Because in the best case scenario, she was going to have to wrestle twice. Right? That was the best case scenario. But the one thing that I knew that I could count on here is that she was going to have a pretty good match. Not for nothing. Jesse Jones may well be the best wrestler in WoW right now. She acts far better than I would have ever given her credit for. Like I said, between her and Americana, like she comes off more as the actress, and I'm pretty sure Americana isn't one. <laughs> but I'm just saying that like Jesse, she knows who Jesse Jones is, is. And she can project that when she's on screen. And she looks and sounds like she believes what she's saying and what she's doing. And she's the same way when she's inside of the ring. She has a style and a method to her match that she sticks to. She works very snug with her opponent, generally speaking. And her matches are very easy to follow. Jesse Jones has an arm bar that she uses as a finish. Generally speaking. And she works that match around working the arm. Getting this person into a position where I can get them down and make them tap out. And she's good at it. She is so good at it. I mean, not to discount the other girls that's in that company, but for my money right now, she's probably the best wrestler that they have. Just all around. <clears throat> she doesn't do anything that violates who Jesse Jones is. She didn't try to go springboarding or doing cartwheels and things like that. She's a, she's a very grounded wrestler, and she delivers on that. And she delivered on that in this match. She did what we expected her to do. She went after, um, this is Genesis that she's worked with. And Genesis out there with her cohort. She's out there with Ice Cole and, and Exodus. And... I said before, like Genesis has great facial expressions. I mean, when we, especially when we talk about the comparison of her and, and Americana, Genesis sells the idea that she is being hurt. She sells the idea that she is in pain. She sells when she is desperate. She sells when she is, you know, upset. I mean, she she delivers what her expression is facially very well. She did a great leg drop on the back of uh, Jesse Jones's head 
in this match too. So so just on the match in and of itself, I thought they were they were very entertaining. The match is short. The match is short, but all wild matches are short. And that if ever there was a time where we could say that a short match kind of works against two people, this is one of them. I'm not gonna say the only time, but this is one of them. Because I do believe that if they had a longer match, they could probably have had a better match. But I, I really do have to say that leg drop that she dropped on the back of Jesse Jones's head, I, I loved it. Got it right on the money, hooked it right there at the uh, at the base of the neck. I mean, it was it was just a thing of beauty. Um, but the story here isn't the match. It isn't the match. The story is Americana. And her not liking Jesse Jones uh, fighting dirty. So never mind the fact, you know, we, we have to bypass a certain portion of Jesse's history. Because, yes, we know that she walked into this thing as a heel. But she went babyface to help out somebody who's no longer in the company. But she also cheated when cheated upon. And cheated against people that she knows would cheat against her. So we we keep that in mind. Going towards the finish of the match. We get Jesse. She's in control. She's trying to apply and work on the arm. And, and you know, that, that has been her tactic. And it works. <clears throat> but she has been unsuccessful in applying the arm bar throughout the match. This is why I say the match in and of itself was, was pretty good. Um, she worked on it, draped it over the ropes, uh, did arm breakers, and you know, just just all the things that we know that she would do in tr- in order to try to get this thing hooked in. Uh, Genesis played her part too, even going for the pin. She hooked that leg and she hooked it in tight. Hooked it in so tight, the fact that it forced <laughs> Jesse was able to kind of force her leg over herself and uh, get her foot on the bottom rope to force a, a, the um, the break. They, I wouldn't mind seeing them again in the ring, but you know, getting back to the point, like I said, this is not a uh, a story to be told between the two of them. The story is what's happening on the outside. Also. There's a point in the match where it seems that Genesis was attempting to distract the referee for the benefit of Ice Cold and Exodus to do something, and they neither one of them did. I don't think that that was played up very much during the course of it. They did mention it, they being the commentators, that they didn't want to help and that she had to do it on her own. So <clears throat> we're getting towards the finish. And we have Jesse Jones at some point as she is getting ready to, she being uh, Genesis, going for a suplex. Jesse's able to turn this into a small package and cradle up. As soon as she does this, Americana, for whatever reason, is pointing at Jesse holding the tights and gets the referee's attention. Like, ref, ref, she's holding the tights, she's cheating. So, of course, the ref breaks it up. Jesse gets up like, what are you doing? Why would you say that? Which, you know, I I'm completely agree with. I'm like, what is your problem? But as she's doing that, now we got the distraction roll up, and then Genesis rolls her up into a, a, a cradle, and she grabs the tights. And, of course, 
Americana is completely ineffective in getting the referee's attention now. <laughs> so, it was a good match between the two of them. But, uh, I, 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 I just really had a problem with this angle. Not that the attempt of what the angle was going for was bad. The execution of this was bad. I don't understand how anybody over 10 years old could relate or sympathize with Americana for this. I I just don't. I don't see how any adult could, especially when she's up against a team, she being Jesse Jones, up against a team and a wrestler who has no problem cheating and everyone who has watched it or seen it or seen it for any length of time knows it. My own partner is working against my interest here, and this is the one shot that I have at getting a championship match, and, and you blew it. You took it away from me. Genesis wins with a cradle holding the tights. And, of course, now we have the tension. This is what this match was for. This match was to drive the, the wedge between the two of them we got Jesse Jones not having a problem with Americana, as she should. <laughs> I, I, I don't have any uh, issues with that uh, exchange. But then we also have the, uh, even though they didn't really go into it following this, the story is now exile. What, what will become of exile? What will become of this team? Time will tell. I did not want them to break. I do not want them to break, but... You know, it seems like they are likely heading in that direction. I want to stop for a moment for two things. One, I was uh, treated to a additional match on the previous podcast. I was in the comment section. This is episode 64 that I'm talking about. There's a link in the comment area that shows uh, Exodus, who wrestles as KZT on the independence and she was taking on Thunder Rosa and that match was uh, shared with me by Lindsay Raygun thank you very much I, I watched this and aside from some rough points in, in and during the match it was a good match this is the match that Exodus and Keita Rush should have had Minus them going outside the ring and you know going into the stands and whatnot. Outside, and if you watch the match, you'll, you'll see what I'm talking about. But minus that, they should that should have been the match that they had. Now, I know that'll never happen because the match was longer. It was a little bit more brutal. Uh, <laughs> you have to ignore other portions of it. I mean, within the first three minutes, Thunder Rosa almost knocked this woman's teeth out. Not on purpose, mind you, but but she almost knocked her teeth out. Having a side headlock and taking her over and just <laughs> just drilling KTZ's head into the mat. I mean, she her mouth was bleeding later on, and you know exactly why she was bleeding later on because of that right there. Uh, but if you get past that, you get past the outside and the DDT that took place on the concrete that should have been the finish of the match 
it was a fun match. I, I will admit it was it was a fun match. And if you get the opportunity, you should go and check it out. Um, also, the second half, I said I was um, there were two things. I wanted to just take a, a, a side no- note here and talk about the horrible booking of Americana. And that's not a phrase that I use lightly, but yeah, the, the horrible booking that she has had since being in this company. Because nothing seems to go anywhere. Whatever she's doing, it seems like it just drops off. And her motivations to do anything seem lackluster or, or paper thin at best. I probably should have taken this section and just separated it out and done a, just a special on Americana, but and maybe I will. I don't know. But just to kind of run through why I have, I don't want to say an issue with her, but why I see her as being very underdeveloped is because of these things. And I did this earlier with, you know, uh, Steffi Slays and uh, and uh, Las Banditas. So it's another one of those for those who have tuned in to those uh, running of their careers, the wild careers, that is. And in Americana's case, there probably isn't much of a career elsewhere. So the horrible booking of Americana, starting with uh, her first match in the company, episode nine, against the disciplinarian. No surprise there that she would win against the disciplinarian because the disciplinarian doesn't win. That was a cold match, meaning it didn't you know didn't have any driving force behind it. It just was a match. Episode sixteen, she uh, wins against BK Rhythm. Also, the same deal. It's just a match for Americana. Episode seventeen, she tags with Jesse Jones and Sahara Spars. You remember Sahara Spars, don't you? who would later go on to be the fashionista Amber Rodriguez, and we will get to her in a moment. Jones and Sahara Spars in a six-person tag against the disciplinarian Ice Cold and Samantha Smart, and they win. Yay for them. Then we start going into angles. And this is where the road gets a little rocky. Episode 21 Amber Rodriguez, and Gigi Gianni against Jesse Jones. Now, this is the angle from nowhere. It was just mentioned by the commentating team. They had maybe 10 seconds worth of security footage to try to tie this together, and all of a sudden, Sahara Spars is now Amber Rodriguez, the fashionista heel uh, arrogant, narcissist, whatever you want to toss in there. So not only did this angle kick off from nowhere because allegedly uh, Sahara Spars turned on them in the back, assumably at Gigi Gianni's behest. We don't have any idea why she did it. They just did. She turns into this new persona and they... Well, not celebrate, but they kicked this off by smearing makeup over the faces of Americana and Jesse Jones. That was the that was the launch of this one day one match feud. 
Because as soon as that happened and it was explained, they had the match and it was over with. Done. Finished. Started from nowhere and ended as soon as it started. Episode 28, Jesse Jones and Americana against the Heavy Metal Sisters, and they go in there to a loss. Okay? Episode 32, Jesse Jones and Americana against Los Banditas, which turned into a no contest. That became a singles match where it transitioned into Americana versus Sylvia Sanchez. And lo and behold, one of the few times that they did it, Sanchez comes out with the win. She defeats Americana. No angle there, just, you know, just a match. Episode 36, Holiday and Siren taking on Americana and Jesse Jones. This is the Levi angle that went nowhere. This is the start of her being so distracted over the love and cuteness of her son that she could not concentrate enough to do her job in the ring and try to win the match. In the middle of her getting in the ring, she just stopped and looked out into the crowd and started you know, making heart signs to, to Levi and got the beating that, that she deserved and then lost. So that's two angles that just meant nothing. It was it just started and it stopped. Episode thirty nine was, uh, I was going to say Jesse Jones, but this isn't a tag match. I'm sorry, I was got, I was about to jump ahead a little bit. This was a singles match, and Jesse Jones is gone at this point. This is where she's supposedly hurt. Uh, this ends in a no contest against Fury of the Heavy Metal Sisters who was a heel at the time. But I can never keep up with it because she kind of flip-flops. This was, uh, it started off hot. And I, I will give it that. It started off hot. She came in and she charged her and she looked like somebody that was out to get revenge. Uh, <clears throat> this is where she cuts the promo. You broke my son's tablet and you broke Jesse Jones's leg. She can't, now she can't wrestle. So... We wait a couple episodes, probably probably another uh, 10 before we even get close to that match for revenge. But in the interim of that, episode 43, we have Jesse Jones with her temporary partner, Jennifer Flores, taking on the disciplinarian G.I. Jane, and they lose. This is a cold match also, by the way. We've only got three Angles slash storylines that she has been a part of, all of which have done nothing and gone nowhere. Episode 50 is the revenge episode. Fury, Holiday, and Siren, which that team made absolutely no sense. After this blood feud that they were all in and that was the first person that fear would go into the locker room and ask to help her out yeah that that didn't make any sense but they are taking on americana and spring break 24 7 this match was a match for spring break 24 7 they did the bulk of the work here americana and this match and this one 
literally did like two or three things. That's that's it. That's all. Literally just two or three things, and that was it. The finish of this, her big moment of getting revenge after Holiday and Siren walk out on their partner, Fury, which I can't believe that happened. I could not possibly have seen that coming. They led Americana, they being the spring break 24-7, get up to the top rope and do a moonsault, and she got a pin, and one, two, three, and she wins the match. So that absolutely evens the score. It evens that uh, the heavy metal sisters busted her son's tablet, and it evens that they broke her partner's leg. All is square because I won the match, and I got this moonsault on you. And it ended. And go over with. Done. We go into the next season, the season that we're currently in now. I only went up to like two matches at this point. And those are episodes three and six off of uh, season nine. Episode three versus Exile. They lose. They, Americana, Jesse Jones, they lose to Exile. And then episode six is where Jesse Jones says, you just stand on the apron and do it, look pretty, and I'll do what I do best. And then they win. And as it is right now, that is where Americana is with her booking and her story and her angle. So now we know through all of those quick feuds that she had, she is entering into the I have – screw my partner over storyline and you know I think we know where this is going I I mean I, it's going towards the Jesse Jones heel turn I think that's pretty clear and honestly wow made it all the more clearer to me like within days of that so that being the case I'm going to say one other thing but I'm going to give the opportunity in case you do not want spoilers you might want, I'll make sure that I put a chapter marker in here, but you may want to skip ahead if you do not want to know anything that's going on in the show. And the reason I say that is because WoW apparently has started uploading footage of the episode before the episode aired. Don't know why they did it, but it's there. You can go to their WoW channel right now. I mean, now granted, when you're listening to this, it might not apply, but um, they started uploading back scene segments of jesse jones americana returning stars um i've and an upcoming prize we'll say so before i even mention any of that before i uh start to talk about the little brief moment i am i'm gonna give it a second if you want to skip ahead i understand because we don't want i don't want to spoil anything for anybody so here's your moment If you are still listening at this point, I'm assuming that you do not care about the spoilers. All right. So first thing, while, like I said, all of this stuff is up on their YouTube channel. This is not insider information. This is not that I got a screener or something along those lines. This is all available for anybody to see. Why they did that, I don't know. Because some of this seems a little out of sequence, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. So anyway. What we know is Americana seems sorry to, 
to the best of her acting ability, she seems sorry that she has caused Jesse Jones. But this is why I said between the two of them, Jesse's the actress here. Because she lays into it. She told her, like, you embarrass me and humiliate me. For I mean, this is a scene where they're uh, outside of Jesse Jones's dressing room, or, or at least both of their dressing rooms because both of their names are on it. And Americana comes, she knocks on the door, and she's like, hey, what, you know, basically what's wrong? And Jesse Jones lays, lays into her for costing her her opportunity at the title. This leads towards the returning Amber O'Neill who Jones and O'Neal do tag on the uh, independent circuit they just came off of, I want to say, Russell Cade. They are no longer grits and glam. I think they're bur- bullets and bourbon or something like that. So that they're, they're still a tag team. The name has changed, but it's still a tag team. Essentially, Amber O'Neill is returned for the benefit of trying to get her back to where she was. And what, what does that mean? Well, I think that means we're going to heal again. And she gives her her Make Wrestling Great Again hat. So, you know, I'm sure in the California audience that the Make Wrestling Great Again hat will make her instant heal. So we're going off into that. This also leads towards what we'll call a beatdown, but we don't see a lot of that because after the first strike or bang of her head into the lockers, it uh, Amber escorts the cameraman out. How about that? They actually acknowledge the cameraman. When sometimes that camera's just supposed to be invisible. So I, I was a little surprised there. So we have that. So, and we know where this is going. And I also w- will include in, in this that I am now pretty sure that the returning Santana Garrett is not there to replace Americana rather than she's there to probably tag with her doppelganger at some point in time. Time will tell. We'll see. But given the photos that we've seen or I've seen, eh, it seems like that's the direction that they're going in. Also, last bit of the spoiler while we're in this little section here is they have announced that there's a new, I said, prize. And I'll leave it at that because I don't know if I want to qualify as a championship. Uh, there will be a trios title that is in WoW. Although there is no belt for it, they unveiled a trophy. I am not big on trios championships to begin with. I've never really cared for the six-man tags. It just seemed like it was occupying space. And every company that I've ever seen it in, is uh, they never seem to be important. They use it for a little while when they have persons to kind of engage over. But after that, just it just seems like it's an overall waste of time. But this is what they've instituted. Now, I've said for a while that they need a secondary championship. They need to have something in the company that other people who are not going to go for the wild title should go after. The problem is I don't think that this is it. Now, I'm going to reserve that judgment until they actually start using it, but but we got to wait for it because what do you know? Is they got Tony Khan disease and decided that we need a tournament, another one. So we got another tournament coming. They got to sit through that and however many teams that they can scrape together to, to participate in this thing. My initial guess is going to be that this is either 
a custom fit without having seen any brackets or how many teams are involved or whatever the case may be. This feels like a custom fit for either Exile, if they can remain together, or Team Spirit. My money is on the latter. It's on Team Spirit. Coming out of the spoilers now, we go into back to the show. Now, I got ahead of myself there. That's why I said that I'm going to give up spoilers. But um, coming back to this particular episode, Jesse Jones and Americana have a confrontation at the bottom of the fabled wild steps. Because why not? You have to have a confrontation at the bottom of the steps. That's what everybody has their conversations. They seem to be breaking up as a team, and as we know, as I just uh, said, that seems to be leading in that direction. Time We will see. This makes sense for me that when I saw it at the time, there's no reason for Jesse Jones and an Americana to exist when they do not have the same path. Uh, <laughs> Jesse Jones didn't need Americana. Americana needs her. And I mean that both character-wise and storyline-wise or real-life-wise, real however you want to put it. Jesse Jones knows what she's doing. I fully believe that she's one of the better wrestlers there. Americana is not. Not that she isn't physically capable of doing it, but she hasn't done this enough to have a natural instinct for it. She looks very stone-faced or... Like, she doesn't know how to emote whatever it is that she's trying to get across. So, this is, <laughs> I, I'm hesitant to say a loss on her, but you, you get where I'm going with this. this. This is not something, that this team did not need to be together. They were never going for the, the tag team championships. And as previously stated, Jesse Jones does not need her. It's the other way around. In every sense of the word. The next segment is the ring announcer explaining the rules to the championship challenge. This is basically a mix between the Royal Rumble and uh, any five-person match that you can think of. The championship scramble comes to mind. That, that's what I wrote down here. I was like, this is a mix between the Royal Rumble and the championship scramble. Start off with two people, they stay in there for two minutes, and then every two minutes thereafter, somebody comes in until all five are there, and then the match can begin. So you know what, I should I should rephrase that, because only coming in in intervals makes it a, a takeoff of the rumble. I'm more inclined to say that this is a mix between War Games and WWE's Championship Scrabble because of those two things. It's an interval between people entering in the ring, and the match cannot stop until all five are in. Much like you cannot start war games until all participants of war games are in the cage. So that's that's probably it. Uh, it could have been a nice thing. It could have been. It really could have. But it, in a non-surprising way, was underwhelming as I predicted. Next segment, Sophia Lopez uh, well, wait a let me let me roll back. The ring announcer explains the, the rules. They put the graphic up. They talk about what the championship challenge rules are. 
And then going directly into the next segment, we have Sophia Lopez re-explaining the rules to, to, to Tormenta in Spanish. I actually did not mind the fact that they went explaining the rules and then explaining the rules again with, with Sophia Lopez. It was a nice way to sneak in doing a Spanish commentary on this match without having to do a Spanish commentary on the match. They just went to, hey, we backstage, you know, Sofia Lopez, and they worked it into a, a backstage segment. And I, I thought, that okay, I, I really didn't need to see this re-explained, but I get why you did it. You know, <laughs> I, I get why you did it, and I thought it was well done, uh, you know, because it wasn't just, let me explain the rules to you, Tormenta, you know, like it, like it didn't fit. It fit for what Lopez was trying to do and Tormenta's reaction to it fit. Like, she just got mad. It was like, you know, like I got to deal with this this crap, you know, that type of thing. The next segment, we have the Class Master. God, that is such an awful name. The Class Master was Samantha Smart. Taking on Jennifer Gen Z Flores. And this for the most part, felt like a showcase for the Classmaster. It was very, very easy to see that she was the bigger, taller, potentially stronger of the two, and they played into that. Now, of course, she's out there with her cap and gown, and she's coming out there with uh, Savannah Smart, and you know they're doing their thing. Uh, but this match, as stated, was... In my view, even though Flores gave a a good showing in there as well, it felt like this was something for the class master to attempt to look good doing, try to establish who she was. Of course, the downside of them trying to establish new wrestlers in the wild is that there is almost a guarantee that they're going to take a loss. And this is no different. I mean, that... I could sit and I could give you the play-by-play on it, but there's really no point. This was a cold match. It was a fine match for what it was. And if you're sitting there, if you go and find it on YouTube, it's probably pretty enjoyable for the time that they have it. But this was just a little something to showcase how strong she is, how superior she is, you know, in, in theory, over a smaller opponent. But in the end... The smaller opponent outquicks her larger foe and gets a, a, a roll-up win. After the match with Flores and her surprise victory, and it was it was a surprise win because Flores' uh, record is is just crap. <laughs> so, so I was I was somewhat shocked to see that that took place. That, I mean, I, I I could tell you with all honesty, I walked directly into this match thinking, okay, I know who's going to win this. Flores doesn't have a chance. And lo and behold, she, what did she do? She got off of uh, what looks like it would have been a power slam position, an over-the-shoulder power slam by the, by the class master. Flores is able to scoop back. She cradles her up, and I mean, she does a, a phenomenal uh, roll up. I mean, it 
The way she has her folded up, it looks like she wouldn't have been able to get out of that. So this is another one of those. I, I like where that went. I like how this happened and, and where it was going. But as she's celebrating, here comes Samantha Smart with her yardstick, and she breaks it over the back of, the, of uh, Jennifer Flores. And once that happens, then you've got uh, the classmaster giving the instruction by Smart to attack, and she does. And she starts beating up on Flores, but within like 10 seconds or less, Steffi Slayers comes from the back, and she charges in, and she's trying to save her friend and tag team partner. And her punches are absolutely ineffective against the larger, more strong Classmaster. Classmaster then hooks uh, Slayers up. Flores is able to roll out of the ring during this distraction beating up, or distraction beatdown, I should say, that Steffi Slayers is taking. And uh, Smart chokes her out with a yardstick. Once they let her go, they pretty much let her go all the way, and she rolls out of the ring, goes with her, you know, check on her friend on the outside by the ref and so on and so forth. This is where uh, Samantha Smart gets on the microphone and, you know, does her manager shtick. My question was, is this supposed to be Flores' write-off? I, I was, we already know that, that Flores has announced that she's leaving. And in much the same way that we saw uh, Leah Makoa take a tornado bomb from Vicky Lynn and we hadn't saw her again, which is like, I want her eliminated. That was what Lana Starr said. And we never saw her again. Is this supposed to be the write-off? I, I would be curious to see whether they, you know, if this is the thing. But that happens. It pushes her out. And we go on to the next segment, or at least the next match. Like I said, nothing within this section is overly important. It is doesn't seem like it's leading into another angle. It doesn't seem like it's the kickoff or a, a storyline of any sort. It just felt like we need to have her show what she can do, and this is the way that we can do it. The next match is Adriana Gambino taking on Rebel Hayes. First thing that I wrote is the last time we saw Rebel Hayes, she was a heel. And this time, she is easily a baby face. She's coming out, shaking hands, and, you know, high-fiving the kids and whatnot. I, that, that was my first concern when I saw the match announced. I said, Gambino's a heel here. And I don't know if uh, they're going to flip Hayes. I mean, it's easy to flip her because she doesn't really have an established personality. But last time we saw her, she came out as a heel. This time she comes out as an absolute babyface. And the first thing that the announcers start doing is they, they start pushing that Rebel Hayes is anti-establishment and uh, anti-tradition, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. She doesn't want to do the norms. She doesn't like people telling her that she has to get married and have kids and this, that, that. I don't, I don't know if 
that is supposed to be the thing that is supposed to give her her anti-establishment edge. But it is not enough. It's one thing to say that. And it's one thing for the commentators to say it every time that she pops up on the screen. But she has to do this. Rebel Hayes has to do something at some point. If this is what she's supposed to be, she has to establish that she actually is anti-establishment or anti-authority or whatever the case may be. Nothing that she has done has, well, first off, nothing that she's done even related to personality, much less that she's anti-establishment. She pretty much is every goth slash rocker girl that WoW has ever had. So I, so I don't know how she's uh, any different than anybody else there. She's putting on the same makeup and hair, and she's doing the same mannerisms and, you know, all this stuff. And this is things that that WoW, if you go beyond WoW, this is things that Glow was doing. So I, I, I don't get her. And she hasn't done enough for me to be able to get her. If we're going with the idea that she's anti-establishment, she needs something to be anti-establishment against. And what else is she going to fight against? David McLean? Steve Austin was anti-establishment. And he was anti-establishment at a point in time in wrestling when that was, it wasn't unheard of necessarily, but no one had done it to that degree. No one had done it to the degree that Steve Austin was doing it where he was antagonizing, verbally abusing, and physically beating up his boss week in and week out. And they made it work. It was one of the most successful angles in wrestling history. And not only did they make it work, they explained it so that it fit the confines of reality. It's like... Vince McMahon pretty much, and I know I'm going off into wrestling history now, but just, just stick with me. Vince McMahon at some point told the audience when he would, through him telling Mick Foley, like, what are you worth to me? And I deal with Steve Austin because at least he makes me money. I was, I was like, I don't like him, but at least I deal with him because at least he makes me money. So it explained, you know, yeah, he's anti-establishment and I dislike him, but, you know, this is why he's here. But they gave you so many different uh, examples of him fighting the authority. Not the, not the actual group, the authority, but the, <laughs> the authority. What has Rebel Hayes done that is anti-establishment other than having the commentating team speak about her being anti-establishment? I I really question where that's going to go. I mean, and the, the match was not bad, but it does illustrate an over-reliance of we have to have the commentators explain this for her because she hasn't done it herself. I don't know where Rebel Hayes came from. I don't know where the background is. I think that she's another one of these actresses, but I could be wrong. Uh, I know that she doesn't. She doesn't wrestle like she has a massive amount of experience underneath her. But you know, again, I we we will see. Time will tell. 
This is the first time, and I, I really wish somebody who was there could say whether they were uh, coaxed or coached into saying it. But this is the first time I've seen anybody on this show garner a chant. Where they actually started chanting for Rebel Hayes. The crowd cheered for Rebel Hayes. This was surprising to me. Absolutely surprising. Uh, Anybody that's listened to this podcast for more than a few weeks already knows that I think that Adriana Gambino looks great. I think she looks like a star. I think she wrestles well. And she wrestles for who she is. She utilizes the things that she's good, the, the long legs, you know, back them into the corner. She gets the kick right over the top of her own head to kick her opponent behind her. And, you know, the chef's kiss, the, that standing leg drop, all of that good stuff that she does. She, in my view, has a lot of potential. During the match, the commentary team is talking about who feel, who's going to fill the wild card spot while this match is going on. Uh, as if David McClain had to fill this spot that night. I, uh, <laughs> I was proven that this was just, I won't go so far to say nonsense. I'll, get my, I'll cut some slack there. But uh, it did come off as like we're trying to make this sound spontaneous when it wasn't. And it was proven to be non-spontaneous by the time we got to the end of this. So anyway, getting back to the match, Gambino wins with the chef's kiss, which is her cradle net breaker. And one, two, three, we're done. What I, again, you know, at the same rules apply for Gambino as they do with uh, Jesse Jones, why wouldn't Gambino just be in it? She came back. She has been undefeated. She has been vocal about getting the title shot. Where's my shot? That's 4-0 for Gambino, you know, all of that stuff. What, what, why wouldn't that play into the decisions that are made? about who gets this this spot or not. But it didn't. <laughs> she didn't get into it. In fact, I don't even think she brought it up. Whereas before, she was so hell-bent on getting the title shot. Here, it was just kind of like, all right. We move on, next segment, and we go to the, I'll just call it the wild boiler room. For whatever reasons, they're standing around having a conversation. G.I. Jane, the class master, Samantha Smart, having an open conversation on who should fill the spot in the wild card match. As if to say Samantha Smart has some sort of say-so in it or that she knew who was going to be in it. This may be the first segment that I ever saw where somebody called her out on her <laughs> On her BS. I I thought that was great. Where Jane is sitting there talking to her. It's like, you the smart one. Who's, who's supposed to be in it? She's like, yeah, I am the smart one. And there's a lot of different variables and this, that, and the other. When she starts just going off, she's like, and Jane cuts into it and say, I'm hearing a whole lot of nothing right now. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> like, he's talking a lot, but I'm hearing a whole lot of nothing. I was like, that's great. That 
that's absolutely great that somebody actually called out the fact that this woman is not some sort of super genius. Uh, uh, that that probably was, you know, the best part of this segment. But as they're having this conversation, and, and you know, while this is going on, uh, the class about to say, and I think we should all agree that it should be me. Now, bear in mind that the classmaster just lost like the segment ahead of time, and she hasn't won since she's been there. Why on earth would anybody believe either in character on the show or fan watching at home that she, of all people, should be in this match by any stretch of the imagination? I mean, it, it stretches credibility in their own universe. It was, it was just silly. It was, it was, it was just so. Yeah, we could pass it off to uh, you know wrestler arrogance, but like I said, it, it stretches credibility even within their own universe. But as they're doing this and talking about who should fill the spot and all you know the things that heels do and in the place that heels do it in the boiler room, Goldie Collins, who we haven't seen since her loss on her debut, walks up. And just injects herself into the conversation, which is what people do on WoW, apparently. They're just like, hey, guys, <laughs> you talking about me? You know, that that's they do stuff like that. So she just interjects herself into the conversation. This is a loser's conversation. This, this is just a loser's conversation. G.I. Jane, class matches, Samantha Smart, and Goldie Collins all talk about who should get a title shot. Like, really? Samantha Smart hadn't had a winning team since she got there. G.I. Dan is the closest thing to, to a winner amongst the three of them, and she, her record isn't that hot. Classmaster and, and Goldie Collins uh, have done nothing but loss. So I don't even know why this exists other than they just wanted to fill some time. Like if I, if I wanted to get people talking or thinking about who might be in it, I would put in some people that you might believe could go. You might believe that Candy Crush would get in there. She's had a pretty fair record, right? You might believe Adriana Gambino. She hadn't lost. You might believe, you know, the other people that have been in and out of the company. You may even believe Keita Rush if she was, you know, Say you know if they, if they presented it right, where she was saying something like, "Well, I hope I get it. If I do, I'm not going to spoil the opportunity." You know that that kind of presentation. But these three, no. And the only reason that Keita Rush would even come close to getting the pass, considering her record, because her record is just as bad as Classmaster and Goldie Collins, only worse, is that she did have a promo saying that you know it's not how many times you get knocked down to get back up, and you know I'll have the wild championship. Of, Around my ways, which I don't think is ever going to happen for her. I hope she proves me wrong, but I don't think it's ever going to happen for her. I think that's just idle talk. Uh, this, despite the fact that it felt unnecessary, it, it was, I will say, it, it was entertaining to some degree. It felt better, and, and I'll just go and, and say this. Two people, in my view, saved this from just being crap. G.I. Jane and Samantha Smart were the saving grace of this segment. Because without them, I, I, without the interaction between Jane and Smart, that, that was one of the things that worked. 
Two, Samantha Smart's a, you know, a manager. She's not a wrestler. So she can get away with just talking gibberish and nonsense and saying things that we blatantly know as the fans to be completely untrue. Jane being, you know, being the one that's in there who was speaking with some level of authority and has at least a few wins under her belt made that work for her. I mean, even if she got up and, you know, doing the dog barking in front of uh, uh, Goldie Collins, that, she is the one, uh, her and Smart, that this, those are the ones that saved this segment for me. Made it entertaining. It was a pointless conversation, but but it was entertaining. The next segment is David McClain and Stevie Dickey. This is the third time in the show we're selling the championship match. And they recap the rules again. I understand why they're doing it. Because if you just tuned in, they want you to know, even though they're going to do it right before the match begin with. But I... I, I get it. This is their new concept. This is their new baby. We got to make sure people understand. We want them to know. And we want them to stay tuned because this is going to be the most incredible match ever for the Wild Championship. Unlike anything you've ever seen, you know, which is you know, kind of the stuff that he, that he does. Oversell it, David. Oversell it. So, we come to the main event. This is where the show takes a turn <laughs> for the worse. And it's not because of the match. You know, very rarely do I get on wow about the match or the persons in the match. I might not necessarily care for one, but I very, very, very rarely like, oh, man, they're terrible. They don't know what to do. You know, I, I try not to do that. I get on there for continuity, I get on there for production, I get on there for being nonsensical or or not having logic attached to it, but I do not try to address the talent that is in the ring necessarily. So, that said, you could probably tell why this is getting ready to take a nosedive. Some production error. This match is announced at Princess Ozzy, The Beast, Penelope Pink, and Tormenta and a wild card as the um, participants of this match. Ozzy and Pink start this off. They draw, well, I can't even say draw one and two, so we'll start with this. This is... This is why I say, you know, Princess Ozzy, storyline-wise at least, worked against her own interests. I mean, she, the character of Princess Ozzy really did. And it, and it only makes her look and sound like an idiot. Not only did she come up with this match and didn't have a clue of what it was, but because she's the champion, this is explained by David McClain, mind you. Because she's the champion and she came up with it, she gets to go in first. <laughs> so here's your reward for coming up with this great match that I, that I pieced together for you. I'll put you in first and make sure that you have to at least be in there for 10 minutes before you can even attempt to win. 
This is this was something. Uh, I was surprised when this aired that it started 20 minutes ahead of the hour, or the top of the hour, and it got me excited for a moment. I was like, oh, man, they're actually going to have a match that's going to stretch beyond 15 minutes. Wow. And then a minute into it, they went to commercials. So I was like, all right, well, that that ruined that. <laughs> they're, they're not going to have it. The match is going to be 10 minutes like every other match is. I was surprised that they did it, but they yanked that rug out from underneath me very, very quickly. The commentators trying to make Ozzy out to be the boldest champion in wild history. I, I, I don't know where we're going with that. And, and honestly, if they were going to do that, I don't know if this is the way to go for it. This shouldn't have been the point to be talking up how bold she is. If anything, the narrative for Ozzy at that point and I'm not telling Dickie or McLean how to do their job. But the narrative should not have been Princess Ozzy. She's the boldest champion for taking on all these challengers. The narrative should have been, can she overcome this? Did she bite off more than she can chew? Now, would that be foreshadowing some of it? Possibly. I don't know if I would use those words. Did she bite off more than she can chew? But... She's in a multi-person match where she does not have to be beaten to, to lose in the first place. So I think it's an easy narrative to get across. Like, okay, she she's there and she has the unfortunate task of going into this thing first because she's the champion. She has the championship spot. You just make up some rule, I guess. But the comment or the narrative there is, can she do it? She has wanted to get this thing going. She's wanted to be a fighting champion. She wanted to, you know, to, to reestablish and and make the wild championship the most important championship in all of women's sports. Can she overcome this? She's got to overcome the beast. She's got to overcome the former champion, uh, also Penelope Pink. She's got to overcome former Mexican champion Tormenta, and she's got a wild card that she doesn't even know who she was. She can't even prepare for this. Can she do it? That should have been what the narrative was not you know she's so bold and she's fighting the good fight and all that stuff it does not make her out to be smart to do this it it, it really doesn't to to even have suggested this like i'll take on you know the world so when the world comes to her and then you know it, it didn't work out so good but we'll get there so <clears throat> The match goes to a break shortly thereafter when uh, Pink Penelope Pink gets put out to the floor. Here is where your first jab at knocking this down the drain happens. And it was by no fault of the participants of the match. This is where Wow should have quality checked the episode before it aired and somebody should have said something. When the show comes back, they run an internal commercial. The commercial is part of the of the show. You know, you, you've got your external commercials, you've got the internal. This is an internal. Fans coming up next week. The Beast gets a championship match against Abilene Maverick, the new wild champion. Blew the ending immediately. Abilene, now bear in mind that when this commercial ran, 
Abilene Maverick was not mentioned. She hadn't been seen on screen. She was still addressed as the wild card and supposedly some sort of surprise. This commercial, not it, it spoiled two things at once. It not only told you who the wild card slash surprise was, but it told you who won it. Inside of 10 seconds, it killed this match. It killed it. You couldn't, how could you even get excited for any of this? At the, I mean, you can watch the match, and I still watched it. But at that point, I, I knew who was going to win, so where was I going with this? That was something that should have been absolutely quality control. Whoever allowed that to go out, short of David McLean, should have been highly reprimanded. And if Jeannie Buss saw it, and she probably wouldn't, she probably wouldn't know what that what the problem was in the first place. But if she did, she should get on. It's like, who is watching this? Is this what I'm paying for, for you to spoil the ending of the show before the show finishes? This is terrible. <laughs> you don't have people tune in for a cliffhanger to give them the cliffhanger five minutes before it's done. But that's what we got here. We got a we got a cliffhanger that was spoiled by the people who created the cliffhanger. So, surprise, surprise, number five is Abilene Maverick. Then that leads into what will be the next issue of the of the show. The entry order continued on with Tormenta coming in at number three, the Beast at number four, and then Abilene Maverick comes in at number five. The reason I just run through that because they, it, it really didn't do much of anything to see them go one after the other like that. It wasn't like there was no big story that got told. This match didn't have any time to breathe. They got to do some cool stuff in the match. But this match had no time to breathe. The, the time restraints that WoW is so sprung about adhering to. Every match has to be 10 minutes and every match has to fit into the quarter hour. If you look at WoW on a regular basis and you have a clock, which I'm assuming all of you do, Nine out of ten times, every match exists within the quarter hour. Starts at nine to get match one and nine to nine fifteen. Second match will be nine fifteen to nine thirty, and you follow me from that nine thirty to nine forty five, nine forty five to ten o'clock, and or wherever time span that you happen to be in, or when it, when it airs. And they stick to that. They they do not deviate from it. It is almost always that way with very little exception. Very, very little exception. It has happened once or twice, but not, not very often at all. And they were so determined to keep it that way that even despite the fact that they started 20 minutes ahead of the hour, like I said, they just dropped the commercial and it went right back into its normal format. We'll finish off this in the last 15 minutes. And a good chunk of that was just uh, hoo-ha at the end, but we'll, we'll get to that too. So 
They get to number five, and out comes Abilene Maverick. And the crowd went mild. Not wild, mild with an M. No one had no idea who she was. They didn't have any idea why she was there. They just, she came out and that audience was essentially sitting on their hands. Nothing happened from that, nothing. I mean, it it just was, why, of all the people that you could get to do this, why Abilene Maverick? And even if, you know, because I'm, I'm not going to sit there and act like she's a, you know, not a talent. You know, I was trying to find the right words for that. But I'm not going to act like she wasn't some sort of talent. And she is. But in this universe, she is not established. You, you'd have to be the hardest of the hardcore WoW fan for this to have excited you. There's probably any number of people that I would have stuck in that right out of that locker room as a wild card opposed to this and and probably would have got a better reaction for it. If anything, I would have went with Candy Crush. So we can further out the angle that Princess Ozzy and Candy Crush had, which apparently got dropped because we haven't heard or seen anything from it in weeks, probably over two months by now. You remember that angle, don't you? When they would meet at the bottom of the steps and Candy Crush like, hey, did you see my match? And then Princess Ozzy would just blow her off. Well, I haven't seen anything about that now. Maybe Candy Crush would put the, put the jinx on her. I don't know. But that would have been, you know, the, the uh, that would have been one way to do it. I'm not going to say the way, but that would have been one way to do it because, I, because you could have tied in the story to something from that. And if Ozzy and Crush came across each other and they were going against each other, then now we got the friendship to put to the test and then we could tie up all of that stuff that we saw leading into it. And then you could have some promo at the end like, ah, you know, she didn't watch me anyway and I didn't, you know, she didn't care about me so I didn't care about her. I took a title. Oh, you know, something. But that just, that didn't happen. And we got some random face, some random interchangeable wrestler to stick in there. Now, for those of you who do not know who Abilene Maverick is, Barbie Hayden is the young lady's, well, former wrestling name. I don't think she goes by Barbie Hayden anymore. Barbie Hayden was a uh, NWA World's Women's Champion. Yeah, that she she won the she won the title. I want to say, gosh, it's been that long ago. She it it had to been in twenty thirteen or fourteen, I guess. So somewhere along those lines, it's been a while. But she was legitimately a women's world's champion in a different company. She's going to go down in history as, as a NW, former NWA women's world champion. Of course, she does not uh, do that 
anymore. In 2019, she announced that she had retired from pro wrestling and pretty much had just stuck to stage shows. Now, when asked about it, she was, and I know I brought this up before, she was committing herself to, I am only wrestling with WOW, not doing any other indie shows. I'm only wrestling with WOW. And she was doing that, and she was doing the stage shows in Vegas. And then the pandemic happened. And I believe that she was one of the people that refused to take a vaccine, so they didn't have her. So that is why we did not see her return until this point. So now we can get back to the present day. Oh, well, no, let me rewind it back a little bit, just just a moment, to say when she won the championship she won it in, in 2014. That I was right. She was she was in 2014 where she won the Wild not the Wild NWA World's Women's Championship. So there is a pedigree there. The problem is is that that pedigree is never going to be acknowledged on Wild Television unless they say it loosely, like she was a former you know NWA champion somewhere. But I doubt that they're going to harp on that very much. And then it's so far removed. Like she doesn't have the cachet of work underneath her as the NWA Women's World Champion as, say, Camille. If Camille was to show up there, the crowd probably would not go any more excited. But there is a, a pedigree to her that other wrestling fans would probably appreciate. And I, I do not want to speak ill of of uh Abilene Maverick or Barbie Hayden or or whichever one she wants to go by. But her presence in wrestling had been so far removed that this meant nothing. This is not a case like someone of a CM Punk's caliber. Very few people are there but you get where I'm going. The man was out of wrestling for like seven years. And when he returned to wrestling in AEW, they sold a building out in Chicago on the thought that CM Punk was going to be there. They never advertised him, just on the thought that he was going to be there. They sold that place out. And when he showed up, all was right in the world. It, the, the crowd went crazy. And no one felt cheated. What does Abilene Maverick even mean for WOW? She's just another face amongst the WOW cast members. That's all Abilene Maverick is. Good wrestler, but in the grand scheme of it, she did not, that crowd didn't know she was. They didn't get excited for it. She got into the ring and barely did anything other than run up and try to cover several people back to back to back and then throw Penelope Pink out to to take her win or steal her win, as they call it. Penelope Pink, who is basically going to be Abilene Maverick's doppelganger, except one's going to be in blue and white and the other one's in pink. They're going to share similar character traits I promise you so anyway but the the point of all of that being this 
surprise. This wild card was pointless. If you can't deliver the goods on the surprise, then don't deliver the goods. Don't don't even don't aim for a surprise for surprise sake. And that's all this felt like. This just felt like it was a surprise for surprise sake that didn't do anything. If it had been a name that people could get excited over, that might have been the one thing. Like, say if Mickey James, well, I mean, did not nah, that's I'm I'm grasping at straws to say that, but let's just say, hypothetically speaking, the buzzer goes off, hardcore country plays in the arena, and Mickey James walks out. That would have been something. It would have been something, even if the audience didn't know who she was, it would have been something because somebody would have called and be like, oh, man, you should have seen it. Mickey James was on Wild Last Night, which would have probably made more people look at it. Now I'm not saying that they should have spent their money and tried to get her. I'm just I'm just saying if you're going to try and utilize this surprise element, there is a way to do it and do it with some sort of uh effectiveness. This was not effective. This was a waste. And that's not due to uh Abilene Maverick, I will go by her given wild name now. That is not due to her. She was placed in the position where, as I stated, only the hardest of the hardcore wild fans would have looked at that and said, this is great, she's back. Those people that were in that building had no clue. They had no clue who she was or why she was there. The end of the match had Penelope Pink hitting the pink nightmare on Princess Ozzy and Maverick comes in and steals the win, like I said. So not only did Princess Ozzy instigate a match that she didn't work out the rules of, had no idea how it was going to work, but she also got rewarded for that by having to go in first and she didn't even have someone else take the fall for her to have a legitimate gripe. She got pinned clean, one, two, three. And goes over to the corner crying about it. I was like, and I promise you, I wrote down on these notes, no one to blame but herself. This was absurd. This it was so absurd. It's like, why is this what it's like? I, I I lost all sympathy for her at that point. It's like, why are you over in the corner crying? You brought this on yourself. You asked for this. This is the match that you won because you decided that, well, I want to take on everybody. I want to get uh, I, I have an idea, David. It's a championship challenge match. Now, I don't know what it is or how it works or who's in it. But you figure all that out. Well, these are the rules that it came up with. If you didn't come up with rules of your own, what are you going to say? How could you go and blame her for it? What could you possibly aim and be like, well, you know, I was cheated. <laughs> How? And it's and the thing that gets me more than anything else about this championship challenge match is that, that, that she had to drop the fall. They had three other people in that match that could have dropped it. 
could have been Tormenta, although she shouldn't have because she's been beaten into powder already. They had the Beast, who also probably shouldn't have unless they were going to dogpile her or something like that, which wouldn't make any sort of sense. So that can't work. Or she was hitting the head with a lead pipe or you know something that, something that would neutralize her. Or Penelope Pink. It didn't have to be the champion who just got it not, not all that long ago. She, uh, this match under-delivered. And if this is the way that they're going to do the championship challenge match, I can do without it. I mean, I, I really can. I, I could do without this match. It, it it didn't feel special. It did, you know, it wasn't it wasn't some sort of big deal. And and like I said with the earlier match of um, Genesis and Jesse Jones, this is another one of those things that this match probably needed more time to at least let the match breathe. If Ozzy was going to drop the fall, and let's just say that this match went. 30 minutes, and she was the first one in it. You could garner some sympathy for Ozzy if she had to fight from the get-go against everybody. And by the time she's at the end and Abilene Maverick's there, she's she's out of gas. She doesn't have anything left. She's trying her best heroically going against this heel who's just returned, and she's fresh as a daisy, but she just doesn't have any more. And you can, you know, you can sympathize with her there, but here the match is not any longer than any other match that they ever had, and then she just lost like she, well, I'm not going to say like she always does, but she just lost because of, you know, she was in a match that she wasn't prepared for. So <sighs> the match is over with. Abilene Maverick wins. David McClain comes in and with the microphone, is ready to do his post-match interview. You can tell that his narrative that he's trying to deliver here is that she was a heel and she came in and she stole the title because he said something of that sort when he got in there. Abilene Mary's happy to see you and this, that, and the other, but you stole that title. I'm not entirely sure how she stole it, when the rules of the match say that this is what can happen. It's a five-person match. She didn't do anything illegal. She pushed someone off, and she pinned the person that was down. How is that stealing it? What is she supposed to do? Stand there and watch her, you know, pin her? I mean... I know that you're a babyface and you're, you're trying to, you know, babyface the, the audience and the situation, but this, this was this was not good. He shouldn't have he shouldn't have aimed for trying to get this whole thing across. Like, you stole the title? No, no, she didn't steal anything. This this is one of those moments of like, you know, I don't like a lot of heel. I don't think you should have a heel announcer just for the sake of having a heel announcer, but here. A heel announcer would have been great. It would have been great to have someone back her up. It ain't her fault that, you know, you made these rules. She just took advantage of the rules that were presented. 
I will also just give as a side note, if you want to watch the match without the benefit of the commercial to see just how long this thing actually was, they did load the match on YouTube without the commercial break, which is why I'm able to tell you that it's, no, it's not even uh, 10 minutes. This major match that it had, it wasn't, it wasn't even 10 minutes long. So, when she gets the championship and they shoot confetti out of the out of the rafters and you know she's celebrating and whatnot and David comes in there. She goes into a nice rambling promo about much of nothing. I mean now, one of the things that happens is that Penelope Pink comes into the ring and she tries to charge her and jump at her and and and, and get at uh, Abilene Maverick. But referee catches her and pushes Penelope Pink back. He basically tackles her, more, you know, more or less. So he got to heal Penelope Pink, who's mad at Abilene Maverick. And like I said, Abilene Maverick is... On in my view, she's on track to being Penelope Pink version two. We got a, We got another blonde heel narcissist. Uh, I'm better than you. I have more money than you. Uh, heel champion. This uh, I don't know where this is going with Penelope Pink, but I will say it would not surprise me. I'm not saying this is going to happen. I have no way of knowing this it would not surprise me if Abilene Maverick were picked up by uh, Lana Starr or somebody like that she became the new girl in, in Lana Starr's stable pushing Penelope Pink out but you know as I say that out loud because that angle would probably make more sense it won't happen so uh, <clears throat> any case she gets on the microphone, and while we're doing this, you're seeing these close-up shots of the uh, the crowd. I mean, you you could see that they cut intercut these boos in there to try to make it look more impressive that she you know got the championship. I should say impressive, like there there was more disappointment in the room. Yes, they booed her because they understood that she was a heel, and. Yeah, they booed her at the end, as I'm sure because she was riling them up with her uh, high, screechy voice. And that's what she was doing. She was like, David, David! She was doing stuff like that. Tell them to be quiet. It was such an inconsequential promo. I, I really don't know where she was going with this. It, it was, I, I have no idea where she was going with that other than the fact that I won the title and and that I, it, it was just ah it, it felt like a nonsensical way to just try to buff out these last minute or so of, of time. That's what this felt like. And I don't know I don't know if this match should ever return. It it, it probably should not. It, I was so hoping that I would be wrong. I was really, really hoping that I would be wrong. I was like, you know, whenever he promotes a big stipulation match or something along those lines, 
for the most part, they underdeliver. They they always seem to underdeliver. And I was like, you know, I I hope I'm wrong, and I hope this match goes somewhere. And I wasn't. I wasn't wrong. This underdelivered. This did not give me anything. It just was. It just was a match. And of course, during the course of the match, David McLean and Stephen Dickey are now trying to justify to the audience how Abilene Maverick got there. I shouldn't say now because this happened during the match. But during the match, they're trying to justify how she got there, David McLean specifically. Because through the show, Stephen Dickey's like, ah, oh, so who is it? You know, he's like you're trying to figure out this mystery. And then when she comes out, that's when David explains, like, well, yeah, you know, she's from Texas, but she lives in Los Angeles, I mean, uh, Las Vegas now, and she reached out to me the other day, and then I decided to put her in there. I was like, okay, so she just happened to call right before, right before this thing, and despite the fact that she has not been with the company for two-something years, she gets to match rather than a Jesse Jones who would have had to earn her way into it, opposed to... Abilene Maverick, who just got gifted into this wild card. It didn't make any sort of sense. It's like he's trying to tie these loose strings together, and it didn't make any sense when you look at the overall picture of it. Yes, you could take it for face value. Yes, you could just look at it and be like, all right, yeah, well, she just got thrown in there because he wanted to be thrown in there, because he wanted to throw her in there. But this does not make any sense. Why would she get this? She wasn't even there. <laughs> and not just when there she hadn't been there for a good while she had been away from wrestling she had retired since 2019 it's 2023 as of this recording what has she done that would have ever justified getting a championship match she didn't go someplace else and and create a bigger name for herself she didn't stay on the mouths and minds of wrestling fans across the country. She didn't take any sort of qualifying match. None of those things happened. It's just, I'm back and I got a title match. Matter of fact, the last time that they saw her in a while, she lost to Steffi Slays. Digest that. She lost to Steffi Slays the last time she was there. One of the single most losingest persons in WoW's history. And Abilene Maverick lost to her. So I guess that justifies why she's, you know, why she's in the match. That that explains it perfectly fine. This started off as a reasonable show. And then in the main event, it took a severe nosedive because of the lack of quality in the match. The match had no time to breathe. It felt like it, I know they said two minutes or whatever it was, but it felt way faster than that, and I'm not about to put a stopwatch on it to see what the actual intervals were. Having a wild card or surprise just for the sake of having a surprise was pointless. The crowd didn't care who Abilene Maverick was. And they spoiled the, the match and the match's outcome before it even got to it. All of these things made this terrible. And I try not to hit that on them too much. I probably use it more than I should. But this was terrible. It was terrible. 
And that was the review of WoW and WoW's World Championship Challenge match. If I have any advice that I could levy onto WoW and its management and the use of matches such as this, do not assume that even in WoW's universe, pulling a name from WoW's past means some sort of major excitement. Like whether you like them personally or I like them or whatever, like I like Jungle Girl. I really do. Even when she came back that that one episode to come out and talk sense into the beast, I like her, but I also know that a lot of those fans do not know who she is because she hasn't had a presence on TV and she doesn't do this anywhere else. The same thing applies when you have somebody like Abilene Maverick. Kiara Hogan popping back up might have been different. She was there as fire. Or Diamante, you know, if they popped back up and had a tag team championship match all of a sudden. That might be different because they both have been on some version of wider wrestling uh, promotion. And they've been in the wrestling sphere for most of those fans to like, oh, they would have they would have recognized them and got some from it. Diamante and Kira Hogan or Adrenaline and Fire. But here it just it didn't work. It just did not work. And I I sincerely hope that this wild card idea that they have, which seems to be there just to provide some sort of backdoor for bad booking, which still created bad booking to begin with, that should be dropped until WoW has developed these people enough to be stars in their own right to where fans will be excited. I mean, genuinely excited when these people show up. But that leads itself into another problem. And now I'm not talking about review of the show. Now I'm just getting into wild what they seemingly have as their policies. That leads into a different issue. That issue is that wild does not appear to be in the business of making stars. I know I've said that before, but I'm saying it again. They, they just do not appear to be in the business of attempting to making stars. What they do seem to be in the business of is providing content for the show. And most of the people in there, although they are talked up as stars and they had, you know, the videos and and other things, almost all of them are completely interchangeable. Almost all of them. And that's just, you know, I wish I could say that, you know, I had solid proof in my hands. I mean, that I could point to certain things and that this is one of those this I cannot prove moments. <laughs> so I cannot say that David McClain sits in his office like, I'll just make sure that they stay as plain as possible so if they ever betray me, I can just swap them out. But they're, but most of them are pretty plain. And I've used the, the, the description of being paper thin. I think they're paper thin. And let's just do the experiment here. If 
Penelope Pink were to leave, wow, right now, and Abilene Maverick stepped in to do what Penelope Pink does, which is basically what she's going to be doing anyway, would there be much difference? I mean, would there be a lot of difference? Leah Makoa left. Princess Ozzy basically became her. The singular babyface. Wild has had two women of Asian heritage per incarnation. The Asian invasion. Jade and Lotus. The Dixie Dolls. Oh, the Dixie Darlings, sorry. And Exile. Almost every incarnation they've had that. They've had some rocker gimmick, some heavy metal gimmick. If Fury was to start tagging up with Rebel Haze right now, would that feel any different than the heavy metal sisters were already? Randy Rara is the second Randy Rara that that company has had. And she's not there. But you know what they do have? Two other cheerleaders popping in. I forget their names, but I've seen the photos. Two other cheerleaders popping in to take that spot. There has been some version of beach-dwelling ladies in every incarnation of WoW, whether that be the Beach Patrol with Sandy and Summer and, and uh, I forget the other one. Then there was the Sunshine and the Lost Season. And uh, who else? You had Callie Ray. And now you got Spring Break 24-7. It, they, it, they're all interchangeable. It just, they just take one gimmick and it gets cycled around from one person to the next. And if you, and I fully believe this, I, uh, this is another one. I, I definitely cannot prove this, but I feel like, look, if you get too far to lie with him, he has no problem being able to swap you out with somebody else. You, you got the tiny underdog tag team, which used to be the Bully Busters. In a couple of weeks, it'll be the Mighty Mites. Am I getting that point across? They're almost all that way. You have somebody that has to come in and be the dominant powerhouse heel. Thug, formerly Pegley Leather. God rest her soul. They get rid of her, then you go with the beast. Or Chainsaw. Or Vicky Lynn McCoy. All of them basically serve the same point. Same purpose. WoW has a lot of interchangeable parts which makes having a surprise entrant or return very difficult to get excited about when they're all almost all the same. Hopefully that'll change. Maybe it will. Somewhere in the future. I doubt it. 
just like I said with the with the cheerleading thing. It was like that they can get any number of people to play that. Like Patty Pizzazz, Randy Rah Rah. Uh, <laughs> what are we on? We on like the third or fourth cheerleading gimmick now? Well, no, we're up to five over the course of the years. Heavy Metal Sisters, recycled gimmick from Glow. I'm surprised they don't have another cop or another team of convicts. But I'm sure I will talk that up by just breathing it into the air that they'll have Cage Heat version 2 in a little while. And it just goes on and on and on. Like Now, I'm not going to say all of that's necessarily Wild's fault. Sometimes they've had time and bad timing working against them. Getting canceled, not being picked up when they did their 2013 tapings, uh, getting canceled again <laughs> when they did get on Access TV. You know, <clears throat> no one had been on there long enough to try to develop a, a fan base or get some momentum behind them. And no one's on that show week to week to week to week to where people would do that. Yes, a bunch of women, a large portion of which are very talented, and I don't want to take that away from them. Penelope Pink is a talented wrestler. Jesse Jones, talented wrestler. Keita Rush has a lot of potential if she gets the chance to utilize it. Candy Crush has a lot of potential. If she gets the chance to utilize it, I like Exile as a team. Don't and separately, you know, I think they did fine. But none of them have gotten over to the point that a surprise of them popping up out of the blue would make that audience go nuts. And Abilene Maverick, having been out of the public eye for an extended period of time and not having dealt with wrestling at all is the prime example of that. I want to thank y'all for tuning in to this episode and this review of WOW. I am preparing for their broadcast tonight as I am recording this. It is a Saturday, so in Atlanta at least. There's another wild episode that I will be tuning into. And I've already read the preview. I will not give you give anything away. Needless to say that I feel like uh, this is going to be a linchpin episode to watch for me. That hopefully they can turn this ship around and right the wrong. I've already said some spoilers, which... You know, if, if I am on my job, should be listed within a chapter marker so that if you don't want to hear you just jump to the next thing. But outside of that, we will all tune in to that. And if not, I will provide you the review. If you skipped it somehow, I will be here for you. Don't worry about it. I will be here after watching it, and I will give you the ups and downs. And I won't just give you the wild version of it. No, no, no. I give you the full context of the wrestling angle, not the way that Nigel Zane or, or David McClain or Selena Majors want it to be presented across. I give you the way that it's supposed to be and that they should do better. And they need to do better. Maybe they'll get there. We will see. So, 
again, thank you all for tuning in. I appreciate that. I repeat what happened at the beginning. Please like, share, subscribe, wherever you happen to be. The links for downloads are in the description. The chapter markers also in the download. Well, in the chapter description, you can just hit that thing if you're on YouTube, by the way. And you can go right to it. If you are listening to this elsewhere on the podcast, the chapter markers may not work, but you have the chapter numbers. You can use that to go to where you need to be. Because I do include those on the podcast uh, audio versions as well. That said, this is Mr. Green saying that this is Mr. Green saying so long. And we will see you on the next go-round. Stay tuned, guys, and take care. We'll see you on the next show. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the WPN's Rights and Wrongs of Pro Wrestling. If you have questions or comments, please contact us via our Facebook or our YouTube channel at the Women's Pro Wrestling Network. If you're new to the WPN, feel free to subscribe to our channel and like our page. We appreciate your support. Thank you again for listening.